0: Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Reports from the upstate indicate that Clemson University's Board of Trustees have decided to officially change the name of Tillman Hall in light of revelations around Tillman's namesakes checkered past. It's said that the leading name candidates are BMW Z-Series Hall featuring Michelin refinements, Cullen Harper Hall, or the safe bet, Generic Non-Offensive Hall,
1: You couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. God's going down, God's stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now.
0: Guys, we are back. Today is Saturday, August 15th. That marks the three-week period until we kick off the college football season. And I uh, cannot wait. Um... First, just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in. Whether it's on your ride to work, you're out mowing the lawn, you're multitasking at the office, good work, or driving back from the beach, uh, we appreciate the listens. Um, we've got we had a number of new new followers and listeners the past couple of weeks, and uh, we encourage everybody if you haven't yet to go and visit clemsonpodcast.com, all one word. Um, there you can sign up uh, to get an email anytime we publish a new episode. Cody puts up a post about the team, etc. Um, We also have some links on our website where you can um, subscribe to um, any number of kind of podcast platforms. If you prefer to listen to these on iTunes or anywhere else, you'll find the links there. And we also have links to our Facebook and Twitter accounts where you can check out um, some of the things we're putting out there and social media. So once again, thanks for tuning in. Um, Today, we're going to take a look at the second week of practice for fall practice leading into the season, and we're going to preview the second part of, of the defense sort of looking at uh, the linebackers, defensive backs, and hybrid players, sort of like the back seven. Um, and we'll, we'll wrap up today looking at some quick takes, kind of some news around the, the world of college football. Uh, guys, what are, you, what are you reading or hearing coming out of the second week of practice? What's like a big headline? Well, there's, there's some injuries, and obviously uh, Corey Rogers leaving the team is big.
1: Uh, we said time and time again, depth is going to be a, a big issue. When we, when, you know, Unfortunately, from Ebo's dismissal, to now um, losing Wiggins and Rodgers, uh, quitting football. I mean, it's not a good start, so we'll we'll just keep our fingers crossed that there's no more uh, departures.
2: Yeah, I, I think the big story coming out of the week was definitely uh, Corn uh, Wiggins, uh, his ACL injury being out for the season. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that there hasn't been more uh, really debilitating injuries coming out of the first couple weeks of practice. But again, this is a depth issue and this is a guy that was on the too deep and expected to commit a lot this year you know he's a junior, has some experience. So this is a big hit you know it hasn't we've been lucky so far, not a lot of big news coming out with the injury bug um, stuff like that you know the Corey Rogers thing leaving the team was a little you know caught me by surprise and again that's another creates another depth issue on the defense. we can talk about this later. Um, you know this time of year as much as I'm excited, about the start of the football season, I am equally just have this trepidation of logging onto the internet every day or getting some update on my phone saying somebody got this certain injury that's going to be out for the year for the Clemson football team. It always it's- seems to be an ACL too. What? I yeah. don't know if that's like a it, new thing, but it's... It was non-contact. It's another non-contact ACL. So, uh, you know, it's tough. You know, it, football's a tough sport. It's a contact sport. There's going to be injuries. So let's just hope moving forward, I think the, the success of this season, we have a lot ton of talent especially with our starters, depth is going to be an issue because we have a lot of talented young guys. So, you know, I think at this point we're, we're treading on thin ice and another couple of big injuries or
1: losses could make a difference in how successful this season is. And Wiggins, like, you know, I've watched some film of him, really keyed in on him from uh, from last season. He was really a stud, kind of an unsung hero. Um, a guy that was all over the field making tackles. They could use him at the line of scrimmage. They could use him in coverage. He was just so versatile and you know, he started, or he didn't start, but I guess he, he played his freshman year. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's a big loss. The good news with that is, though, we have Travis Blinks, who is a second-team freshman All-American playing that same position two years ago. He's, he's been injured ACL, um, but he's back. So he can kind of, I hope, offer that same level of production. And then in a Sam scenario, we have Dorian O'Daniel, who is really he's really shone out recently and is improving. So that's a position where at least there's a little bit of depth there. So um, we can, we'll we be all right there. Not necessarily the same with, with Corey Rogers, though. The linebacker, that position is something we're, we're incredibly thin at, and we're really expecting big things out of him. Um, it's kind of disappointing, but, hey, you know, he's a kid. He's figuring out life. You know, it is what it is. Hopefully, your uh, Sean Smith, we can get him
0: back on our uh, so, commitment board. Real quick, and I'm not sure what sort of official decommitment or, you know, has he given up the scholarship, et cetera. Um, let's say he has a, a change of heart next week. You know, he, he's... Um, on campus, hearing about you know his teammates, etc. Are we? Um, not that I expect this to happen, but any chance he can have a change of heart, when we get him back.
2: Um, yeah, that's a good question. You know, we we I think this week gave out two scholarships to t- two guys uh, previously not on scholarship, and Hunter Renfro and Andy Teasdale, uh, the punter. So I'm not sure what's left available, and you know, word is this kid just doesn't love football and. You know, we we think about all these kids that play, not in you know in college in the NFL. That you know, this is their passion. This is what they love to do. But it's not necessarily the truth. I mean, they're not all have their hearts in it. Yeah, they may have the the size and the athletic ability to be you know really great football players or really in any sport. But it doesn't mean that they have the love for the game uh, that we all assume they do. So I think this is just one of those situations. that day in, day out, this is not what this kid you know he's not what he wants to do he's not committed to it he wants to do other things so you know all the best to him and whatever he decides to do it's unfortunate that we lose a guy like that but in the end you really you still want what's best for the kid and if
1: his heart's not in it then so be it so that's it's an interesting point though maybe you know he's in two days right now probably in a hundred degree weather so you really find out if your heart's in it or not yeah but flash forward what, like a month from now, Um, you know, two months from now, playing in the bright lights, Death Valley. Will he miss it at that point? Maybe. So I don't, I, I'm, I'm sure that Dabo really and probably had a, a long conversation with him and they, they came
0: to that conclusion. Absolutely. So, Nor would I expect, you know, if he did have that change of heart, even a week or two from now, would Dabo put him right right back at number two on the depth chart? I mean, no. I think, he would have to work his way back. Well, and I, and I don't, I think
2: he's seen some guys pass him up. And again, this isn't his he's not a true freshman he's been through this before so he he knew what he's getting himself into maybe just the third time around he was like do i want to go through this again
1: i'm not maybe well, he's a sophomore but um but, but still yeah he he came in with highly touted and it likely
0: wasn't a snap decision i think
1: yeah to your point i yeah what, what was surprising though he came in as a top 100 player and and we saw like a, he was a four-star we saw a guy like uh uh, Kindle Joseph who you know was not as highly regarded has passed him on the depth chart um, And maybe that's just an indicator that maybe the work ethic and the and the desire the passion wasn't there So you know best of luck to him not it's not you know football is not the the passion No not every player has the same passion um, for football that we kind of expect them to have so that's fair yeah, And again it's a tough sport I mean it's
2: easy for us to sit here and maybe criticize But we're not out there two days 100 degree heat getting banged and hit on by huge grown men so, you know, again support him in whatever he decides to do
0: and, you know, once a Tiger, always a Tiger and the best of luck to him Absolutely. Um, Some of the other notes that we've been reading coming out of spring practice, or I'm sorry, fall practice so far, uh, looking like the offense and the running backs in particular have had some fumble issues I feel like, you know, turnovers are a great way for you to take a high powered offense and really slow that down so that's something we definitely hope um, they can correct. Uh, definitely saw a pretty funny video today on Twitter of um, Tony Elliott with a, with a bright blue boxing glove kind of punching at the ball for all his running backs running by. So they're definitely working on it. Hopefully uh, that sort of gets traction. Um, elsewhere, though, in sort of bright spots, I think true freshmen coming in, Ray Ray McLeod and Garrett Williams have, have really established themselves um, in fall practice so far. Guys, have you seen any video or any any indication that that's going to continue? I think Ray Ray McLeod. No, no video, but I've seen video of, of him
1: in high school, and he is a stud. And it's it's just kind of we knew he would be good, but adjusting to the college game where where it's things are a lot faster, uh, it's a lot more intricate, com- complicated, and for him to adjust so quickly is uh, lets you know that he's just he has a maturity about him um, probably you know just coming from the background that he did he's he's ready to go and it's, it's really good because we need guys with that versatility kind of like Artevis Scott to be able to create in space because I'm gonna I mean I can tell you right now the running game it's not going to be uh, in terms of the offensive line providing uh, some some push they're not gonna be able to do that so we're gonna need guys on the outside like Ray Ray McLeod and Artevis Scott so that's that's great and then with Garrett Williams He's he's shown that he's got a tenacity. He's blocking, huge huge thing that we need is uh, you know the tight end. We talked about this before that can block. So that's that's huge. Uh, and now it looks like Ben he might he might not redshirt after all.
2: Well, so. it's good to have a young guy come in and push guys like Jordan Leggett and JJ McCullough. You know guys have had off the field issues. You know issues with motivation or whatever. And so maybe they can start putting it together because I mean those are the guys that really have the the most current, like, potential of what they'll be able to immediately do when they set foot on the field, um, but to have a guy like Williams, like, come in and show him how it's done is a, you know, a young kid making a great first impression. Um, going back to the Ray Ray McLeod thing, I'm excited, I think, between him and Deion Kane. We knew one of them was going to come in and make a huge difference right away, and, and time will tell on Kane, but I still expect him to have, you know, an impact at some point this year. We have so much hype behind all these freshmen. I mean, I still think we're a year away from really putting it all together, but this year could be special if all the pieces fall into place. And really, if you make it through the first half of your season and you get these guys the experience, you'll really start to see them shine. Uh, you know, Nuke Hopkins, it wasn't till the end of his freshman year yeah. where he really came on. We had a terrible receiving core that year. Nuke started getting some playing time, and then all of a sudden you could tell. like He came in, started making catches, and... I mean, you see where he is today, and and you could see the beginning of that right there. So, but again, it didn't happen right away. Not every player is to be like Sammy Watkins, right? Um, like just comes in off the street and
0: just starts, you know, balling and impressing people right away. But and he should also help in the return game, which we'll certainly get to.
2: Yeah, and we've had trouble. We we played it really safe in the return game the past two years. Like we're just happy for a guy to catch the ball and then let our offense go to work. But to have that. Uh, uh, to be dynamic in that aspect of the game again, I think it's something that's huge because that's just you know is another tool um, in, in a successful team, you know, and if we start putting all these pieces of the puzzle together and we're strong in all areas across the board then that, you set yourself up well for success and I, I, we have tons of guys with tons of talents, they do a lot of different things well and we're starting to see that round into, into form and it's really exciting
0: Absolutely. Uh, something that's less exciting, or maybe a bit less of a bright spot, has to do with our kicking game. Um, field goals, PATs. So as we all know, Lake um, Lakeup, sort of uh, apart from the team at the moment, um, in preparation for a suspension for a number of games, we are hearing from Dabo that um, Lakeup has been sort of following the protocol that he's laid down and, and expected. So uh, good news there. I suppose that we'll get him back sooner than later. But you know, in terms of the guys right behind him on the depth chart, I don't think anyone has really established themselves as um, a suitable replacement for Lakeup.
2: Now, This is still kind of a scary situation. Like, You want to have a kicker going into the year, and I, I expect Lakup is going to be out at least three, maybe four games, um, if not more. So we really need somebody to step up. You have a guy like Alex Spence where you were hoping that maybe this is a year too early for him, but he came in as a rated prospect. I mean, he, I think he was, what, a two... Two-star, maybe? I mean, he had some stars. You know, for a kicker, that's that's decent at saying something. You don't see a lot of three- or four-star kickers. So, um, and but it's it's kind of concerning that you have, like, a, a walk-on like Greg uh, Heigel, mm-hmm. uh, I think his name is, pushing him for playing time, and I think he's kind of in the lead right now. So, disappointing. We can get into the kicking situation later. But we just keep bringing that up because it's, it's kicking will win you games. It, it can win or lose you games. And it's not just the field goals and extra points, it's also kicking off, uh, and, and it's a field position. So mm-hmm. it's a good thing we have a good defense. We'll see what happens there, but we need to keep an eye on
0: it. Definitely. You guys, um, maybe to switch gears and still stick with um, fall camp, um, other injuries, these are a little bit more minor than um, Corin Wiggins' ACL injury. Mike Williams had a bit of a hamstring issue. They don't feel like this is this is major. Probably a matter of heat and um, dehydration more than you know actually structural damage there.
2: Yeah, and this is a guy who's been in the system. He's an upperclassman. Like he can miss some time and come back and, and you know fit right back in. That's not a problem. It'd Be good to have him out there to talk to some of the younger guys, uh, give them pointers. So I'm I'm sure he's still out there, and, and maybe it's good to give them some more playing time.
1: Yeah, good news, Trevion Thompson, who is redshirt freshman backing up Mike Williams has looked like a stud like a like an NFL player and going back to Deion Kane that's the reason he's been kind of blocked and he hasn't shown the same progression as as uh, Ray Ray McLeod so yeah Mike Williams being it, you know you're gonna there's gonna be these injuries here and there it's not a huge deal I don't think it's gonna hinder us too much and uh, it's yeah you're right getting Trevion Thompson a few more reps that's a good thing I'm, I'd i be more concerned if Artavis Scott had a hamstring
2: injury than Mike Williams I think Mike Williams just kind of hobble down the field and go up and catch the ball. He catches Sorry. he
1: catches anything yeah. thrown his
0: way. So yeah, indeed. Um, center Ryan Norton appears to have sustained a concussion. He's still going through the protocol and not yet cleared. He's to actually the actual practice. it
2: turns out he did come back I believe Friday, so he's he's back cool. in the mix, um, which is good. I mean, he needs to be our starting center. We hear good things about Jake Irmo, but again. Norden, Guillermo, two different
1: players. Like, we need Jay, Jay Guillermo actually has the larger upside. So maybe it's a good thing that he's getting in. Probably first team reps, yeah. I imagine. Well, so, it is, especially just getting back to football. That's true, Getting yeah. back
2: into football shape, um, which is good. And then whoever our, surely we have another backup there, young freshman. Which is it? Fascinelli, yeah, yeah. Third. Um, so for them to get more playing time, that's great. But is it's different with receivers. I feel like they can come in and out. But the offensive line, you kind of want your core guys there to gel, really, and get a feel for each other. So great that he didn't miss too much time, and
1: good to have him back. Yeah, that's a good point. How does an offensive line get a concussion? They probably always have concussions. This this one was a little bit more significant, I guess.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, So maybe switching gears separately, um, there's an interesting piece on TigerNet this week about – Dabo partnering with David Shaw, uh, Stanford head coach, a little closer to where we are out here on the West Coast, um, and the Tigers appear to be lining up to use a Oculus Rift based, uh, which if you don't get, if you guys don't know about that, it's basically a virtual reality headset used for gaming and other kind of real life simulation, um, you know, atmospheres. Looks like the Tigers, among a number of other teams, are going to test out this this uh, technology where. You know, instead of needing to go out there and actually have real-life playing time, you can simulate what it's like for a linebacker to be facing, you know, an offense and a, a running play coming at them. Obviously, it doesn't have the same kind of physical um, environment as real-time and real-time practice. But, you know, again, it's great to see, for me at least, uh, the Tigers embracing new ideas, new technology. Um, and if this can give their linebackers a bit of an edge or really any position, um, especially where we're lacking experience, you know, I'm all for it.
2: Well, and like, I think this is really smart. Um, I mean, in not just linebackers, but like quarterback Sean Watson can go in there, put this thing on, he can look right, see down the line, look left, see down the line, really see the entire field. Um, staying up on current technology and being innovative, again, talking with a guy like uh, David Shaw that's out here at Stanford, Silicon Valley, this is where a lot of innovative stuff happens. So to have that connection is really huge. Um, you see Monty Lee come into Clemson Baseball and, and do some of these unique techniques So it's good to see this playing out in football as well, and I love what Dabo's doing. Uh, It's not just the facilities and kind of, uh, you know, we've heard of Clemson Facebook, um, or Clemson Google, I think it's called, Um, but really innovative ways of like connecting via social media or any other technology to, number one, just relate to the kids, but then also use all these tools to make you a better team that maybe a lot of other teams aren't on top of yet. I mean, to be able to put on a virtual reality headset and not have to go out to the field and be able to see, like in real time, uh, the players, the the formations, and go through that stuff and do your homework. You know, roll through it in your head during non-practice time is big. And then we got guys like Deshaun Watson or some of these other kids that are just part of our program who are going. Like we hear Mackenzie Alexander is in there all the time, studying film. So for guys like that
1: that are really going to take advantage of it, it's awesome. Yeah. I think anytime you can get an advantage and in this case, I mean, this is the biggest push uh, over the last several years is using technology and they do it in the NBA. They do it and they're starting to do it a little bit in college uh, for college basketball. Um, And this is huge. Yeah. And I'm glad, like you said, Ben, I'm glad that we've, Probably it's probably led by Dabo this willingness to embrace new things. He combines kind of the best of both worlds, I think, from a head coaching standpoint, where he's he's more traditional in a lot of ways, but he's also willing to embrace new things, whether that be like Twitter, um, but also just just being like a fun spirited guy. That's like he, he's adaptable. He's not on Twitter. He's not. But
2: Twitter. I think that's a good thing. But he's okay to promote it, right? Right. But yeah. so, I, yeah. And I was just about to speak to that. It, you, it's a little bit of the old school and a little bit of the new school. You know, you all get caught up in these old school coaches and their old school way of doing things. I just, I don't think you can be that way. I don't think old school by itself, especially in college, is is gonna, you know, win things for you. I mean, you you have to adapt to to the current times. You're gonna say Nick Saban? No, I was gonna say with that in mind. Are you
1: okay? (laughs) Are you okay with a uniform change? Since you gotta, you know, you just said it. You have to adapt. Are we okay to? That doesn't
2: give you a, a competitive advantage, though. Recruiting.
1: No Branding. I,
2: we, no, we recruit with our play on the field and that paw on the side of our helmet. We don't need... So you sound you know, really old school, like old man Ben, get off my yeah, porch. With that, but then I think we can do a virtual reality and, uh, you know, see, we're, we're in the smart situations. Uh, the, the uniform thing is just a distraction. It doesn't help you itself. If you have this virtual reality system where like a handful of teams in the country that actually use it, that's, I yeah. think I think that's a huge recruiting
1: tool. Let you put a virtual reality headset on some of these kids you know, they like video games, right? I mean, that's true. That's a big draw. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of digressing, but I just wanted to, to throw that back at you and see what you thought. But anyway, what's up next, Tully? Uh,
0: I think the last kind of headline that I read this week that was interesting uh, has ESPN looks looks like they've picked Deshaun Watson to be the ACC's leading candidate to win the Heisman Trophy, or at the very least end up in New York City in December. Um, so I, I want first I wanted to get your guys' take generally on what we think his odds are there. Um, But taking a look at sort of the Las Vegas odds um, for the Heisman winner, I mean, I I guess what we know about the Heisman the past maybe dozen years or so, generally it's going to go to a quarterback unless you're seeing just exceptional play um, from running backs or, um, you know, really if there isn't a a single quarterback that establishes himself. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, running back for Ohio State, is leading the odds right now. It's 6-1. to And then it goes to – there's another running back in the top three, Leonard Fournette, at LSU, um, Dak Prescott and Trevon Boykin at TCU. Dak Prescott's at Mississippi State. Those lead the top quarterbacks. Um, just knowing, you know, whether we we think there's an SEC bias here or not, um, and what we think about Mississippi State's chances at having a, as much success this year as last year. Um, I personally feel like the door is wide open for Deshaun Watson. I think a lot of for a non-sort of SEC or top flight program. Uh, player to win this tr- this trophy, your team's pretty much gonna have to play flawlessly throughout the year, and I think Clemson falls into that. So, again, if things break the right way, I think that's going to be largely because of Deshaun Watson, and therefore I think he will be in that discussion. But it's gonna we're gonna need to get a full team contribution there to, to make it through our our all the landmines on our schedule.
1: I feel the national media, ESPN type coverage on Deshaun Watson has been pretty fair, and that's not always the case with Clemson players. And I can give like an example, like Sammy Watkins was ranked the third best receiver in his class um, by the time he was a junior, which was not, which, you know, he went so high in the draft. Inaccurate. Stephon Anthony was looked at as like a second or third round draft pick. Well, they look at the film, he's first round pick. Like guys, um, you know, ESPN doesn't always, I guess, give fair coverage aside from maybe like CJ Spiller. They weren't high on Vic Beasley. Great point. I completely over, yeah, oversight there. And he just made the Falcons first team. Yeah, uh, defensive end. So you know, they I feel like they gave him the appropriate amount of hype because he was kind of like a sexy, you know, you want to watch that type of, type of guy with that, you know, first step off the off the edge. But when when they were evaluating him, yeah, they were yeah he was looked at as maybe a fringe first round pick. And then going back to Deshaun Watson though, I, I feel like they've been pretty fair. And I guess their reservations on him going going up against the guys guys like you mentioned, you know, Trevon Boykin from TCU and Ezekiel Elliott from Ohio State is. Team success, which is important to consider, but, um, but also Deshaun Watson's track record so far with with health. So he's that's why you've seen Justin Thomas, the quarterback from Georgia Tech, considered like the first team quarterback. I mean, he's a safer bet. Yeah, I don't think anyone anyone has denied you know nat from national media perspective Deshaun Watson's upside. Uh, yeah,
2: no, they they all uh, acknowledge his upside. Um, I think what you're gonna see is you know it's there's gonna be some hype because not maybe not just this year but going into next year uh you're gonna start to hear some chatter and this is gonna be really huge from the nfl draft guys and they're they're always huge on quarterbacks so there's not going to be a conference bias there if if he plays stays healthy and he is the best quarterback in in college football he is going to get so much hype from guys like mel kiper todd mcshay the guys that do these draft boards and that's going to Drive all the chatter up and everything, and he is going to get so much hype and attention. And if he starts this off well, the year well, and stays healthy, they could start talking about him this year, and that'll drive it. So, I'm not worried about that exposure. What I'm worried about more than anything is that he's going to need some help around him. He's going to need an offensive line that can block and give him some time so he's not scrambling around. And then uh, now he's got the receivers to help him. You know, that that's a no brainer. It's really going to fall on the offensive line
0: and or tight ends and I feel like that's where um you know seeing an emergence of potentially a garrett williams you know can he be kind of that six lineman protect either on the the weak side um or be kind of an option that can kind of float out there and own the middle of the field right um we've seen the upside the tight end has had and we've obviously discussed it here so again I mean if I'm if I'm saying does Deshaun Watson have a legitimate shot I think so He's got to be the best quarterback in the land. We have to support it with enough wins, and then I think we're, we're in business, but it's, it's largely going to be dependent on our record.
2: Yeah, I mean, he stays healthy, he's going to put up the numbers, it's going to come down to the wins. And I, I mean, yeah. even with a bad offensive line, he's going to put up numbers, but I think the offensive line is going to affect the win total more than anything.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. also, have a lot to do with his health. Yeah, and I guess my point was, it's so political the award itself and getting to get into New York. You have to have ESPN kind of waving your flag a little bit. And I think to your point, Ben, I don't think that's going to be an issue because they love anytime you get a quarterback who is a standout and who's playmaker, really yeah yeah playmaker. And I, I use the word sexy again, but Sean Watson, man, he's he's like must see TV. Yeah. yeah, and it's different than CJ Spiller that didn't get to go to New York, right? I mean, you got
2: a running back there, quarterback, completely different story.
0: Indeed. We will be watching that one closely. Um, don't expect the odds to change much before the start of the season, but certainly we will have the Heisman watch on. All right, guys, let's move on in our position group preview. Um, I think let's, let's bundle up the, the back seven of the secondary here between the linebackers and the, uh, the secondary, looking at, um, since we sort of have some hybrid positions and there's, there's a little bit of overlap there, um, we'll take a look at this. But I guess we could start with, you know, among both groups, who did we lose um, coming into this season? Through the draft and otherwise, uh, we had Stefan Anthony and Tony Stewart uh, go into the draft at the linebacker position. Secondary-wise, Robert Smith at safety, and then Gary Peters and, Mark and Je- Martin Jenkins um, at corner are gone from the team. Definitely some solid playmakers and leaders on that defense will be greatly missed this year. Uh, if we started with linebacker, though, guys, talk me through who you see as the two deep, who are the playmakers this year, kind of the household names of this linebacker core, and do you feel like replacing the likes of Stephon Anthony and Tony Stewart um, is going to be a tall task for Brent Venables? Maybe Ben, what are your thoughts here? Yeah,
2: well, I think let's start off in talking about what we lost in Stephon Anthony and Tony Stewart. I mean, those are two guys, didn't they both come in as five stars same year? That's right. Yeah, I mean, that that was a really a lot of excitement behind those two guys. They kind of got off to a slow start but really came into their own and lived up to their potential. And, I mean, it really showed out last year. And so those are going to be some two pretty big holes to fill. Um, I I think we have got some guys uh, with good experience and a lot of talent and then just a hard-nosed guy like Ben Boulware that's going to come in and really do a great job for us. But I just think off the bat, losing you're going to see a drop-off losing two guys like Anthony and
1: Stewart for sure. Yeah, I think the thing with Anthony and Stewart is they could drop back into coverage. They were so athletic. They could also, like, Stefan Anthony was a, a mauler. He could hit you, but he could also drop back and he had that athleticism. I think he ran like a four-five-five forty. So that just goes to show the guy was he had some wheels. Yeah. What we I think we're we're gonna be a solid group at linebacker this year. Looking at like Boulware, um and and Goodson, but I don't see the same upside. Just isn't there. Bulward did kind of inspire some confidence getting to, to fill in for Anthony during the Oklahoma, the first half of the Oklahoma game. He looks like a player. Uh, Goodson is guy. He's not quite the uh, the same kind of lateral quickness and athleticism. He's not going to be as good in coverage, but he will, you know, lay a hit and he's reliable. Uh, and then I guess beyond that, it's kind of you get back to what we're seeing with a lot of other a lot of other position groups in that we're not as experienced and we don't know what we have. Uh, hearing about Corey Rogers leaving, we didn't even know if he, how good he, he was going to be, if he were ready. Uh, Kendall Joseph has looked really, really good up to this point. He's been injured. So, Redshirt uh,
2: freshman, inexperienced. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And we've seen the linebacker position in recent years really cost the Clemson defense. Specifically when you talk about going up against teams like Georgia Tech and the type of offense, the triple option that they run. I mean, you need guys that with athleticism and that really can hold their assignments. So this will be an interesting group this year uh, to see how we make up for the losses we have from last year. But again, we have guys with talent in there. You got a guy like Ben Bulware, who's a true football guy, right? I mean, he's just a hard-nosed character. Got <laughs> thrown out of uh, the scrimmage today. For fighting, which isn't great, but he's got that attitude, right? I mean, he's he's got a mean streak that you want, and you you want a linebacker like that. And I think he's just going to continue to excel. B.J. Goodson, he's a senior, so a guy with experience. We'll see what uh, comes uh, out of him. And then you got some excitement, some of the young guys, and Kendall Joseph and Jalen Williams for sure.
0: I want to stick maybe with the the young core, and um, Cody, you kind of being our um, recruiting guru here. Chad Smith true freshman coming in, do you think he's ready to make an impact on this linebacker core? I don't, it's kind of, there's been mixed reviews for Chad Smith. He hasn't, he came in
1: top 50 recruit by rivals, not quite as high by other services, but definitely the the potential. I don't think he's picked up quite as quick, uh, as quick as uh, maybe his rating would have uh, indicated, but he is a guy that, I mean, in, in a pinch now, looks like he might burn his red shirt from what we hear in practice he's been annoying the heck out of Ben Boulware every day, asking him questions. So it's that kind of guy. It's probably a future coach um, who, who really cares about the game. He's committed. So that, that, those are the kind of guys that they get past that learning curve a little bit quicker than others. So I would look for him maybe to step in and as like a two or three deep, but we, we're going to need that depth. Um,
2: Again, yeah. this is where it comes back. You really kind of want to hold off the injury bug until at least the second half of the season. So these guys get their legs under them and get some playing time, get some experience. They know the scheme, and you can start to see a lot of these young guys excel again after about halfway through the season. Expecting them to be impact players right away—that's less likely.
1: Yeah, at least at least we know we have some some experience with the uh, with the first two, BJ Goodson and Ben Boweir. Also, with the I'm not quite as worried about the Georgia Tech game because. Dorian Daniel can play the. He plays the, the Sam in in that in that scheme, and he can. I mean, they do a really good job. Assuming that our, our defensive line is going to be as good as we hope they'll be, I feel like that's a that's an okay matchup for us. Dorian Daniel, he did a really good job last year, and you know that position, it, it, you know, just got a little bit more uh, bare with with Corn Wiggins, but I mean, for that for that particular uh, potential scheme, I think we'll be okay.
2: Well, and we faced this triple option for a while now. I think we probably know how to coach against it a lot better. But you still have to have some disciplined guys and that's where having freshmen in there, you know, red shirt or true freshmen really concerns me. So I would like to see us stay healthy and have some guys who have seen it before. Obviously we'll get against in the waffer game that's a different talent level. Um, but I expect to see that discipline more out of upperclassmen than I'm going to, you're going to get out of true freshmen for sure.
1: The, I think the one potential matchup for us where we would kind of be in a bad situation is if we find a go up against a high-powered offense like an Auburn or an Oregon with a Marcus Mariota I know he's not there anymore but that type of that type of offense where you know there's basically what our offense is a running quarterback um, a running quarterback that can pass I mean yeah. we just, it, we're we're gonna have to put these linebackers into coverage
0: and require them to use yeah, real, real spread principles where they're high-paced and have a lot of weapons and options and fortunately i i'm not really seeing that team on our schedule you know a year from now florida state and louisville could certainly be more established and experienced but both teams have lost a lot of guys so you know 2015 i think actually is clemson's year possibly even more than next year i agree with that and i would say it would be in the postseason when we we could potentially face that team not on our schedule indeed yeah um maybe one one area that i'm concerned with with both you know, losing Corey Rogers, um, and this maybe gets in a little bit to the hybrid and how the linebacker core meshes with the secondary, uh, with Core and Wiggins going down. I feel like where we're going to feel feel the loss here the most is actually on the third down. Maybe those third and medium, third and kind of nine, ten yards. Um, you know, I just wanted to ask you guys: Are you confident in this core's ability, and maybe extend that into you know nickel packages on the secondary? Um, on this core's ability to get those stops on third down.
2: Do you remember? Um, I think it was back in the Kevin Steele days, several years ago, where we would have like third and twenty, and the other team would get it every single time.
0: Yeah, I do remember. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't see that happening again. But I or just... well, the teams uh, would also
0: maybe not that, but they would get it to third and eight, or fourth and eight, and then convert on fourth. Yeah, happens a lot against We South couldn't Carolina.
2: hold anybody. Right, and it was just it was pitiful. Uh, I don't see that happening again. But you know. We're, we're not going to see the same level of defense as we had last year, for sure. We talk about all these position groups, the only one that really seems to have gotten better from last year I think is going to be our secondary. It's not going to be the line, although we're really talented across the front, and I think we we'll are see a lot of good things out of them this year. Linebackers, I think, definitely going to see a drop-off.
1: I agree. I, I think, I, coming in, I thought maybe the defensive line could be, not, not a weak link, but the weakest link. Comparing that to the linebacker core, though, I think... I think they might be the weakest link. I think of the defense this year that they they are. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It could could be more just it's going to require the defensive line and the
0: secondary to step up to mitigate that weakness. Right. Fair enough. Anything else on linebackers, guys? No, just
1: that uh, I'm ready for next year. I hope we can get Rashawn Smith's commitment back on the recruiting board and uh, Trey Lamar. It it just goes to show it was huge commitments, uh, at least – the ones that's, that have stuck up at this point, because we're going to need those guys next year. Yeah, I think we'll get Smith back.
2: I'm not too worried about him, uh, but you're right. I mean, we just need to come, keep pumping out uh, talented recruits at this position. I mean, you think of Clemson football, think of the defense, you think about our history of, of linebackers, right? Invinables is a linebacker guy. Exactly. He's,
0: yeah, he's the linebacker coach, so. Any chance Hunter Renfro can plug in there, Ben? <laughs>
2: Well, I'm, I'm hoping that he can plug in at a left tackle on offense. He's 5'10", 170, you said? Yeah, you know, but... So he's you know, ideal for the Dabo tackle. Dabo says he's going to win us some game this, games <laughs> this year. You know, he's our, he's our punter, he's a backup punter, he's a backup wide receiver. You know, he's a jack-of-all-trades, so to speak. So, you know, put him in uh,
0: Harkham for a few weeks, bulk up a little bit. And Cheese grits. There you go. That's right. Um right. Great. Well, let's move on to the secondary. I think it's a bit more of a a bright spot. Certainly had some losses coming into this year talent-wise just to recover that. Robert Smith, uh, safety, originally picked up or drafted by Indianapolis, um, I believe on their practice squad initially. Um, He was let go and then added to the Seattle Seahawks roster. Congrats to him. We also lost Gary Peters and Martin Jenkins from that group. Um, So looking at this group this year, Definitely have a lot of talent across the board at corner and safety. Um, our top two, I think, guys coming into this year with good experience, McKenzie Alexander, probably going to be our best playmaker on defense across the board, um, and J. Ron Kearse, a beast in the free safety position. Those guys will be the, the leaders of our secondary. Definitely should already be household names. If not, just give it a couple of weeks. Um, maybe second on the depth chart or kind of opposing them at the starting positions. Uh, Cordray Tankersley at a corner and TJ Green. It looks like um, on the safety side, uh, guys. Do you feel like these kind of top four guys um, relative to what we had last year? Do you see that as a an immediate talent step forward, knowing the experience that kind of our our lead guys have gotten?
1: Yeah, I think I think talent wise, it's Robert Smith was he was a great player. He he didn't have you know a lot of you know a whole lot of talent. He wasn't like physically. Um, you know, overpower or anything. But TJ Green, he's got, he's six He's got the wheels. He's got, he's a hard hitter. Uh, I think, you know, just a matter of him getting comfortable, comfortable at the position, making the right reads. But yeah, he's extremely talented. Jadar Johnson is another guy who will be, you know, it'll be the, be the him or, or TJ Green starting. So uh, good, good depth there alongside uh, J. Ron and, and Mackenzie Alexander, just a quick second. He, he said, I think uh, earlier this week that he's the best cornerback in the nation, and it's not even close. I, and this guy, he's just he's confident, but he's a hard worker. I Man, I, I love his his grit, and I think I think there's a couple guys: Kendall Fuller from Virginia Tech at cornerback, and Vernon Hargreaves from Florida, who have really been like highly regarded as like top first round draft picks. And McKenzie Alexand- Alexander's kind of taken a back seat, but. I, I, again, kind of like Stefan Anthony, I think this is his time to
0: shine. Well, look at look at across the NFL landscape, cornerbacks are the most outspoken guys in the league. You know, you've got D'Angelo Hall, which we can talk about in a minute, and um, Richard Sherman. I mean, um, even Patrick Peterson. Like these guys are constantly like it. It takes a lot of confidence to su- succeed at that position on the field, and I think that carries carries itself off the field. And you know, you don't want a soft spoken guy there. You want a guy that's very confident and headstrong. You know, in that position,
1: and the good thing, just like a Clemson man, you know, the way we want him to be, Mackenzie Alexander, for the most part, lets his play do the talking, and he's Sean, you know, he's a leader. He's hanging out with Mark Fields, a true freshman, working after practice. So, I, I think for the majority of the time, his, he just lets his play do the talking, kind of like New Copkins. But it's good to be
2: confident, and has self-confidence. Confidence, so yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you know what? The best thing you can say about a cornerback is he doesn't get his name called, called often because they don't throw his way. If you look at the stats and how often teams throw his way, versus, and then how many how what's the percentage of the guy actually catching the ball it's it's ridiculous like he's locked down and teams know that and they're not going to throw his way so um yeah he's huge he's solid you know he's never a guy I get worried about going out with an injury just because he is you know just he's he's built solid so don't worry about that I think he is going to make a huge difference this difference this year um you you talk about losing guys like Robert Smith Gary Peters Martin Jenkins Again, those weren't guys I think that just had the, the most ton of talent in the world. I think Gary Peters played really well last year. I think it was all a situation where all guys, um, all three of those guys, they were just seniors, right? They just had a lot of experience. And they benefited from a ridiculously talented front seven. Exactly. So the pressure's taken off of them. It's going to be a little bit different this year. But we have a lot of young guys that have, I think, just more innate talent. Um, you know, guys like Cordrea Tankersley, uh, Adrian Baker, Ryan Carter, and then Mark Fields coming in as a true freshman. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the talent side of this, of of who we have, uh, is 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 obviously a higher upside than what we've had the past few years, and I think the secondary is going to start
0: rounding into really a strong suit of our defense here in the next, you know, two or three years to come. So you got you guys have spent a lot of time looking at our schedule, evaluating teams we're going to play. You know a little bit about the offenses and the types of schemes we're going to face. Um, do you see the Corrin Wiggins injury? Or just the talent of this this secondary being exposed in any way or who really are you most worried about as it relates specifically to our secondary i
1: would just say the the corner opposite of mackenzie alexander takersley has a ton of talent but he hasn't he hasn't really put it together as much as we would have liked and and it could always change you know he's, he's junior now so he could he could turn it around but then you you know you put him in a tier just below McKenzie Alexander, but below that is your other juniors or you know your third year guys that came in in that same class. Adrian Baker, Ryan Carter, Marcus Edmonds. They haven't they haven't really put it together at all, and I don't think there's a lot of confidence from the coaching staff. So, as all, as with any position group, death will, could be an issue in the case of injuries. But but also you got a guy like Mark Fields as a true freshman coming in and pushing these guys. So I mean that's both a good thing and a bad thing. Kind of let you know in three years they haven't really put it together enough to inspire enough confidence in the coaches so they, they can actually be starters. Yeah, absolutely. And I think
2: what's going to have to happen. We talk about kind of a weakness. Maybe it might be the linebackers. We're going to have to see you know whatever the defensive line can do. But then obviously the secondary really come up, and play a lot on the line, and then help out with the linebackers. Um, you know, a guy like you know Mackenzie Alexander, we're going to put out there an Island by himself, right? It's going to be him and whoever he's covering. Tankersley can get some backup from one of the safeties. Um, but again, but if he's also, if, if this position group is also trying to help with linebackers too, maybe we're spread a little bit thin. Guys coming out of the backfield, covering a tight end. So, you know, there, there are some weak spots, I think. But looking at the list of guys we have back there, I'm really confident. Like, I
0: really do think this is a strong suit of our football team and our defense. So, going back to one part of my question, who, from our opponent's standpoint, which team are you most, which offense, which quarterback are you most? Uh, Worried about exposing this secondary?
1: Not really particularly worried about anyone. uh, Just because. I'm worried about Florida State. Yeah, they have a lot of talent uh, at the wide receiver position. It's young talent, but. And Everett Golson, assuming he's not turning the ball over, can make plays. Or Sean McGuire. I don't know who will be their quarterback. That's that's the one. It's not Jameis Winston. We know that. So we don't have to worry about that kind of a a passer. But really, no one else. Of course, are worried about Georgia Tech.
0: Right. If you go down the list, Louisville is going to be you know, turning over its quarterback position. Um, they're pretty sure who, who they're going to appoint at starter there, but certainly isn't going to have a crazy amount of experience, especially by the time they face us in week three, after probably getting whooped by Auburn and facing a Houston team in week two. Notre Dame, Malik Zaire, see what we get out of him. Um, you know, I think for me, Notre Dame could be the team that tests this secondary. So hopefully under the lights at Death Valley, you know, they'll, they'll stand up by that point. Um, not, I mean, Georgia Tech, yeah, but they're not really a downfield. They're not going to take the top off your defense. That's where these guys are going to need to make tackles and really stay disciplined um, against their assignments, or if we have broken plays up with the linebackers, closing in on that. Um, and then
2: also guarding against the deep threat with Georgia Tech because they do that, and they've been able to do that more successfully more recently as they've gotten better quarterbacks who can actually throw the ball. Yeah, they're kind of like a knuckleball
0: pitcher. They'll
2: try sure. to sneak and a fastball like this, in there. Yeah,
0: 70-mile-per-hour fastball. And yeah. for me, that's where J. Ron Curse and the safety play is really key, to not let that, basically to be that last line of defense against really a deep threat there. So, um, again, yeah, Florida State, we'll see what team we get. That's in November much later on. But for me, yeah, I, I'm really circling Notre Dame and seeing what, because they definitely have playmakers throughout that wide receiving core.
1: Don't forget about Connor Mitch at South Carolina. I'm totally kidding. I don't. I don't know what he's going to bring hear, to the table. Uh, what's
2: his name? Uh, Michael Scarnecchia. Uh, I think he's a walk-on. Is there leading candidate for a quarterback right now? Which community college did he attend? I have no clue. It's kind of a sad situation down there right now for a uh, former Heisman-winning quarterback to have nothing at the position. But you know, he kind of runs people off. Anyways, getting off subject, so we haven't talked about the safeties a lot, um, and part of that, Corn Wiggins. Uh, him going down who fills his position, I think this is where we really need to see Travis Blanks. You, you mean the nickel, Sam. The nickel. Right.
0: Okay. Definitely. One of those
1: um, hybrid positions. Yeah. Yeah, and Travis Blanks, I mean, he's I don't think he's quite as has the, the instincts that Corn Wiggins has, but he's he's just as uh, talented physically and he, he proved you know he proved it his freshman year. And then we have again Dorian O'Daniel to kind of Blank him, or you know, in different schemes. So uh, I think that position group is going to be okay. I, I don't, I don't really worry about it. I really did like Wiggins, though. I mean, he yeah. was, he was a stud. Good news is we'll
2: have him back next year. Um, and I think for Travis Blanks, he did, he did kind of show out a little bit as a freshman, but then took a step back, had an injury, took last year off to redshirt. And from what we hear, he really got his head back into the game. Um, so we don't, we're not sure what we're going to see out of him, but you know. Anything positive is going to be a real bonus and
1: could potentially cover up for this Wiggins injury. Yeah, and not to mention, I th- I think safety is going to be a. I mean, Jaron Curse I feel like might be the best player in our defense. He's a monster just because the way we'll use him, we'll use him at the line of scrimmage. He'll. I mean, he's just he's a ball hawk. He's going to be everywhere. He's going to rack up interceptions. He's going to be making tackles. And uh, and to that, to that, I mean, just being able to. Um, our, our secondary getting off their assignments and going to make open field tackles—that's something we, it's going to be a huge key for us as a secondary. Um, which McKinsey Alexander—if you watch him, man—he is—he's like lightning, yeah. closing the, the gap and, and making those tackles. We'll see what the opposite corner will bring to the table.
2: Um, and you know, I think we see guys like Jajar Johnson hopefully can take a big step forward this year and make an impact. And, on, and then TJ Green, for sure. I mean, we're, we rely on these guys heavily to provide some depth and you know shore up the secondary. You know, I think across the starting front, uh, uh, you know, the starting guys there were solid and I think we can really have a solid two deep whereas a lot of other positions outside of wide receiver that we really don't have on this team. It really comes down to these athletic guys, the
0: receivers in the secondary. Definitely, and I think we'll, you know, remains to be seen what type of effect our pass rush will have. Um, You know, we're pretty bullish on the defensive line here. Um, I think our secondary can really provide some strong support and backup to the linebacking core and um, hold their own against, you know, the the not super uh, big threat ACC offenses we're going to face. So maybe to recap the defense, guys, and to close this out. um, Last year, Clemson was the number one defense in the country. Judging by some of the thinness that we have, depth issues, injuries, and guys we've graduated, but the bright spots that we have at certain positions on talent. Is it feasible that we could end this year and this regular season with, with a top 10, top 15 level defense? Do you see that happening? I say top 10 might not be
1: a possibility. I think probably top 15, top 25. And at the beginning of the year, I don't suspect us, I don't think we'll be a top 25 defense. I think by the end of the year, we should be a top 25, possibly top 15. And that's if injuries, you know, barring injuries. I
2: think we can finish out the season in the top 10. I think we've got the talent there. Barring injuries, um, you know, I I think we'll be just fine. I mean, I still think we can be a top 10 defense. I mean, I I look at our schedule. You talk about what the first half of the year is going to bring. I kind of agree with you because Louisville, it's on the road on a Thursday, so that always gives me a little, you know, I'm a little hesitant to, to really feel great about that game, but they don't have a starting quarterback. Like they have a big question at their quarterback position. So obviously as a defense that's gonna help you a lot. Then we have Notre Dame coming in and then Georgia Tech, you know, right back to back. And I think both those teams are gonna test our defense. It's never a low scoring game with Georgia Tech, not anymore. Um, no matter how good your defense is, and then Notre Dame is gonna have the ability to put up points. Um, but then you really start looking at our schedule and we start rounding out the the year, you know, Boston College, Miami, NC State, that's a no brainer of how you think we're gonna do. It's it really just looking at it is Florida State in the second half of our season is the only team from an offensive perspective, um, that
0: I'm really concerned about. South Carolina don't think they're gonna be that great. So Yeah, and, you know, to take a look at what, what it means to have a top defense, it's really about, you know, yards per play, yards per game that add up. Um, are we facing offenses this year that are going to put up a ton of yards on this defense, regardless of thinness? And I think for me, it's a matter of getting off the field on third down. I mean, the biggest way, and we talked about, like, what is uh, what is Deshaun Watson's upside at Heisman, et cetera, um, you know. The biggest or the best way that other teams, opposing coaches, can shut down our high-powered offense is to keep them on the bench by keeping drives going, third down, fourth down conversion, etc. You know, thinness at linebacker, maybe inexperience in the secondary, um, ineffectiveness at the, you know, on the on the D line. Like all of that can contribute to a lot of long drives, um, a lot of time of possession taken up, and keep our high-powered offense off the field. So. Well, and that's um, the other side of it too: is if opposing teams are able to keep our offense off the field.
2: The more our defense sees it, don't have as much concern about that this year,
0: um, but Mm -hmm. something to factor in, especially if you have a bad offensive line. Indeed, I mean, again, the fact that we don't have any, you know, super the specter of, you know, crazy high-powered offenses on our schedule, means to me that rankings-wise, you know, and again, it's not just about this ranking; it's about what does that translate to in terms of wins and losses. But I'm I'm bullish on this defense putting it all together, because they have. One of the best defensive minds at at the coordinator position,
2: right? And I kind of see this We've seen three levels of defenses for Clemson in the past several years, kind of dating back to uh, Kevin Steele. Uh, the just flat out bad defense, the bend don't break, which is kind of what we had a couple of years ago. Is Brent Venables is just getting in and putting a system in, and then the lockdown defense that we had last year. We're not going to have a bad defense. That's not going to be the case. The question I think going into this year is, are we going to be the bend, don't break type? Or do we find do we put it together again this year and become a lockdown defense? Now I would say you don't have to be number one defense in the country to have a lockdown defense. You can be top 15 and still have a lockdown defense. So I, I see ourselves, again, like you said, Cody, maybe not the beginning of the year, but by the end of the season, I see us... Certainly, with the possibility of being in top ten territory, and if and if we're that good on defense, and we're how much ever better on offense than we were last year, it's only room for improvement, right?
1: Absolutely. Our schedule, like you said, totally. Our schedule stacks up nicely, and that could be the thing that would make two thousand fifteen a little bit better than maybe two thousand sixteen. The only thing I would say with with sixteen is that
2: we will have. Assuming everybody's healthy, we're going to have so much talent that I don't care who we're playing and when we're playing them. We're going to lose a lot because of the NFL draft. Yeah, but we have guys that are coming to back it up, and we're going to have an offensive line that's better next year than it's going to be this year. It's going to be even
1: sure. It's going to be really thin on the offensive line next year. More talent, less depth. How much depth do we have this year? More than we will next year.
2: Well, luckily, a lot of those young guys are going to have to get in and get some playing time this year. So
1: that's true, and this
0: is a great discussion. We'll uh, we'll leave it for a later time, right? Absolutely, and you know, a key component here is obviously reloading and recruiting. Um, definitely haven't had too many bright spots on the O line trail there, but we're not we're not done yet. Plenty of time to convert guys too. Um, anyway, I think to recap on defense, definitely bullish. Probably takes somewhat of a step back from last year. I don't think it'd be possible for us to expect a top, top-tier defense unless we were returning all of those amazing um, you know, guys that went in the first and top five rounds of the NFL draft. Um, we feel pretty good, and uh, we will look forward to a fuller uh, season preview. And to wrap up our, our podcast today, we'll take a look at a couple of headlines around college football. It uh, looks like Clemson has added Louisiana Tech to its schedule. That won't take place until 2022 um, when Clemson will face the Bulldogs. So kind of a minor update there. Um, in the past, we've covered off on some of the other out-of-conference teams that were slated to play in, I uh, believe it's Auburn. We're playing Georgia again, and then uh, Texas AM. and
2: Yeah, I mean, part of me here is like 2022. Who cares? It's Louisiana Tech. I mean, I would rather play Louisiana Tech than some other cupcakes that we play. It's a Southern school, you know. Um, Skip Holtz is their football coach. Whether or not he'll be there in 22 is Unlikely, but, you know, I've given an opportunity to be in Holtz. He could be coaching
0: in the Gamecocks by then. That's true. We will see. Um, elsewhere, more from NFL news, um, D'Angelo Hall, outspoken uh, DB from the Washington football team, um, was owned this week in a um, preseason game against uh, New Hopkins. Um, more importantly than this play, and it wasn't, I mean... Pretty much broke his ankles, guys. Pretty clear who, who's the better player in that that world. Um, kind of a Twitter spat. I'm sure everybody's you know familiar with this. Go online and, and take a look at that, if, if not. Um, but I got a kick out of this one. Yeah, you
2: got to see the video. I mean, D'Angelo De- Hall talks so much. And New Hopkins, Hopkins, as we all remember, is kind of just a quiet, soft-spoken guy. And... I love watching this video and Nuke just like holding his on and then going out and doing his thing on the field and breaking this guy's ankles. This this veteran who thought he talks smack to this uh, young guy he's now entering his third year in the league and I think he's established and he's now the number one re- receiver for the Texans and we all know what he can do. And so, wat go find
1: this video and watch it. You know you're a Clemson fan. You love Nuke. You love this. I, I look at Nuke as like, you know, looking at his time at Clemson. Anything that was thrown his way, he just, like, he didn't lose a battle. I mean, that's just the kind of player he is and the kind of receiver he is. It's, this is just so, like, appropriate, perp- I mean, just the it speaks to the kind of personality and the kind of wide receiver he is to go out, get a little, little uh, you know, words thrown around with D'Angelo Hall and then show him up on the field with his play. That's yeah. just, that's vintage
0: it, Nuke. And to add, add to that, he showed him up on Twitter as well, kind of soft-spoken response still, but master trolling technique by Nuke, which is great. It's uh, so the good stuff. Yeah, it was around. an entertaining back and forth for sure. Um, and elsewhere, looks like Cole Stout was hired on as a quarterback coach at Jacksonville State. Uh, so congrats to him. Hopefully, he can continue his football career, um, potentially on the sideline, helping other other young young souls excel at quarterback.
2: You know, good for him. I never expected anything to work out with him in the NFL. You know, maybe he could go to the Canadian Football League. Uh, but you know, glad he's landed at a spot. I mean. Again, a young kid What's he must be like 23, 22, 23, and he's a quarterback coach for a, for a college football team. Granted, they are the Gamecocks. We won't hold that against him. Um, but, you know, good opportunity for him and be interesting to follow his career and see him rise through the ranks. You never know. It could be a
1: Brandon Streeter landback back at Clemson one day. That's right. He spent a lot of time alongside Taj Boyd, so he's like that the guy who was doing a lot of a lot of studying and a lot of uh, just a good teammate. So it's no surprise that he's a, a going to be a coach now.
2: Yeah. Well, it's great to see a guy like this commit so much to his college football career. Maybe he didn't have all the talent in the world, or have the breaks go the right way for him, but to be able to pull a really great opportunity out of that and have the opportunity to succeed in something that he loves to do, um, yeah, it's it's really great. I mean, we we all know Cole Stout is much frustration as we maybe had from him last year whether or not that was warranted because of his injury or the style of plays we were calling you know he was always uh, a true stand-up guy
0: and a, a true Clemson guy and it's great to see this form absolutely um, well guys thank you for tuning in today uh, we have a couple more podcasts before the season kickoff we'll take another look at uh, spring or um, <laughs> I keep doing that uh, fall practice preseason practice coming up before the season I uh, hope to get a, some airtime on with a couple of guests and we will also be recording a, um, a full, holistic season preview where we'll run down the schedule, sort of give our predictions um, for each of those games and for the season overall. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. Tell your friends, stay tuned, and go Tigers!